Each spring, Pensacola Christian College hosts the Enrichment Retreat designed for pastors, ministry leaders, and church staff to enjoy a time of rest and to be refreshed by the Word of God. Today's message was from a past Enrichment Retreat keynote speaker. Visit EnrichmentRetreat.com for details or to learn more about the upcoming retreat. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Verse 10 says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which perse- what persecutions I endured. But out of them all, the Lord delivered me. That'd be a good spot to say amen. amen. Yeah. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That'd be a good spot, but I don't know if I want to say that. <laughs> but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of them, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Let everyone that knows the word is true say amen. amen. Our Father, we pray you have thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. I love you, Lord. Now take these next few moments, though brief, but I pray, God, that you would magnify the impact of them in our lives Not just today, tomorrow, or the rest of the week, but for eternity. Watch over our family back home while we're gone and take control of me right now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. The statistics are debatable, I'm sure. But let's just say that somewhere around 70% maybe a little bit lower, maybe a little bit more. They're estimating of the young people that graduate from high school tend to graduate from church. They don't come back anymore. I was reading some of the reasons last night, and everybody's got a reason. The fact of the matter is, regardless of why we think they are, they are. And it should bother all of us. It is a threat to Christianity. It is, it is a prospect that is very prospect that's very grim. It's very grave, and yet it's real. All of us have children ourselves. Most of us, if we don't have our own, we have those that are spiritual children to us, and everything in us wants us to adorn the doctrine, to present Christ, to model Christianity in a way that would make them want to live it like we've lived it. I had a father and a mother that raised me, and they're still alive. They're members of our church. They sit on the second row every Sunday. I fathered my dad in the ministry in the pastorate after he started the church and pastored it for 30 years, turned it over to me. We had a very intentional, obvious transition that started three years out, with a vote and shifted two years in and one year in. And, and then, uh, of course, he turned it over. And my dad was very gracious about it. 
sometimes when your predecessor is in the congregation, it doesn't go very well. And it has been the greatest thing for me for for me to have him and mom sitting there every service. My dad is the kind of person that will do anything I ask him, but doesn't demand to do anything. So if you want me to preach, I'll preach. If you want me to counsel, I'll counsel. If you want me to do this, I'll do it. But don't ever feel obligated to have me do it. He's so gracious and so humble about it. You know, when you're when you're sitting and leading your hero, it's pretty humbling. And I'm just so thankful for the way they made Christianity look. What I saw in the pulpit is what I saw at home. It made me, I wanted ministry. I wanted to be sold out to the Lord. I wanted to live for God. I wanted to do what I was doing. I dreamed about doing what I'm doing this morning. In my dreams, I was standing up though. But anyway, but I, I dreamed about, <laughs> so dreams are kind of vague. Just, just, just count your blessings if any portion of it comes true. But I dreamed about doing this. I got saved at four, surrendered to preach at nine. And at 16, God just worked me over as a teenager about my generation. And I was sheltered and I grew up in a Christian home. I tell people I was a drug baby. You know what I'm saying? I was drugged to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And um, uh, I said, Why, you know, how'd you get foolishness out of you? It was beat out of me, you know. And, and most people have heard me tell the story. You ain't never get beat till you get beat by a black woman. And because um, they beat you and they rap to you and they. They commit all kinds of heinous crimes and uh, for which none of them they'd serve time. But anyway, I'm here and it worked. Glory to God. It's work or die. And uh, I wanted to live. And so I was I was so blessed to have the greatest parents in all the world. We talk every day and we we are enjoying the greatest phase of our lives as we're co-laborers together. And what a joy it is. And yet. We see. Good parents see their children walk away from the Lord, battle with guilt even though it's not their fault. We see them grow up in good churches. They're taught the truth, and yet sometimes they parade away. Not, not even seems like they drift away. Sometimes they parade away. It's heartbreaking. These, these are just interesting, intriguing times. And yet we look at the Bible and we look at this timeless word and we go, you know, we keep saying the way things are now and all this world that we live in now and the way times have gotten now. And we look back and I tell our church, I preach through the book of Genesis. We spent five years in Genesis and had a time. And, you know, I tell our church, you know, we're six chapters into the word of God and God's ready to wipe out the whole world. So let's not patronize ourselves to think we're the only generation that's had to deal with wickedness. It's always been here ever since the devil landed here. The generations have been wicked. God said, I repent that I've even made man. But I heard Jesse Duplantis say years ago, I don't preach from the Old Testament. There's no grace in the Old Testament. Read it, Jesse. The Bible says (laughs) Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That grace he needed in the midst of a wicked and perverse world. So how in the world can we keep a generation from failure? Because failure is not an option. We don't want to make failure an option. We, we don't want to say, oh, you can serve God. If you don't, just go ahead and fit. No, no, we want, we want to be very clear about the fact. The only life that's worth living is the life of serving God. Only one life so soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one chance to do his will. So give to Jesus all your days. It's the only life that pays when you recall you have but 
one life. The greatest joy we have is when we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not a commercial. That's not a fortune cookie. That's not something we say for a soundbite. Come on now. Shame the devil. Tell the truth. The best time you have is when you smack dab in the center of God's will. Boom shakalaka laka. And the worst time you have is when you're out of it. The worst time I have is when I'm out of it. One of my biggest burdens for the rest of the time that God has me here, and I'm not old, but I've learned the last couple of years you don't have to be old to go to heaven. Is I want to impact the next generation, my children and children everywhere, college students here. I, I walked the campus yesterday, told my wife I'm just going to walk and be nosy. I just... It does something to me to see young people walking around. It, when I started preaching youth conferences, there's just something would hit me. I got to campus church last night, and they start bombarding in. They start bombarding out, and there's a rush that hits me. Because every person represents a chance for God to do a great work. And yet many of them will graduate from college. With the Bible delivered to them. Every single day. And never serve God. Well, that bothers me. That bothers me. And it scares me. And yet, here is Father Paul writing from this dark prison cell. Pretty close to dying. And he's got a son in the faith by the name of Timothy. And he's looking at Timothy. And he's... Saying to him, through the scriptures, serve God, son, serve God. And yet he spends a great portion of chapter number three telling Timothy that what I'm telling you to do is going to be really hard to do. If I'm Timothy, I'm going, you know, don't tell me to do something. Then tell me how hard it is to do something in the same breath. But yet he had to be real with him, right? Timothy, I want you to. Keep doing right. I want you to live out the gospel. I want you to make a difference. I want you to serve your generation. I want want you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. I want you to experience what I've experienced. I want you to know I'm locked up and I'm on lockdown, but I wouldn't change serving God for anything, son. I was challenged in this regard last night from the message, and it was just like, The Lord was just encouraging me more in this thought. How to keep the next generation from failure. Look at chapter number three. We read a portion of it. I'll not be very long. We'll skim through some of this. You've preached through this. You've studied this. You're aware of what's there. I'm just sharing my heart this morning. What will it take to keep the next generation from failure? And listen to me. We can't make anybody serve God. Listen, when... He talked about the qualifications of a bishop, of a pastor. He never required a pastor's children to be spiritual because a pastor can't make his children spiritual. You can't make anybody spiritual. He didn't say they have to be spiritual. They have to be in subjection. If you, I can't make you love God, but if you're going to live here, you're going to do what I say. <laughs> my, my mama said, I brought you in. I'll take you out. I'll kill you and turn myself in. <clears throat> See these threats that children do to parents? I'm going to call the police. That didn't work with my, my mama. 
I'll call them for you. <laughs> Forget the police, call the coroner. <laughs> My child is dead, come pick him up. I killed them. It's a different day, isn't it? These children. Have you ever been in the grocery store and watched a parent afraid of the child? Lord have mercy. I mean, I get flashbacks of whoopings from my mom from bad children in the, in the grocery store. Pick up the candy bar. The mama says, Johnny, put it down. He says, no, I get flashbacks. In my head, I'm going, Johnny, don't say that. Johnny, don't say that. Johnny, don't. Johnny put the candy bar down. Johnny, put the candy bar down. I want to walk up to Johnny and put it down myself. Johnny, put the candy bar down. No, in my mind, he said it again. I just see my mama with a belt. I told you not to do it, bad boy, bad boy. What you going to do when I'm done beating you? I mean, just I can just feel it. Uh, grocery line, number four, Johnny. I'm in there having flashbacks. Johnny's having a good time. I'm scared to death. Johnny Isaac Zachary. Put the candy bar down. No. He said three times. I'm going to count to ten, Johnny. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Johnny finishes count. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, I've died, risen again, and she's killed me again by now. <laughs> it's a different day. It's just a different day. And yet we look at Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. To keep the next generation from failure, I believe, first of all, involves a perceptive mentality. Notice verse number one says this, know also. Listen, folks, if we're going to keep this next generation from failing, there's some things we got to know. What, 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 what do we have to know? That we're living in perilous times. We, we have to know we're, we're in the end times. Look at these next several verses, and I'll give you just some thoughts of what is represented in these verses of perilous times, conceited dispositions, they're lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Our dear brother talked about manners yesterday. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to get kids to be mannerable today. And of course, a lot of it they've learned from us adults. Right. But I mean, it's just, it's just a spirit of entitlement. You know, you load up a bunch of kids, say we're going to go to eat. Where, where are we going? McDonald's. I thought we were going to eat Chick-fil-A, you know. And we're thinking to ourselves, we didn't get either one of them, you know. God help us. Conceited disposition. Concerted defiance. Corrupt deeds. Look at what he says. and The, the wickedness without natural affection. Listen to me. We don't, we're not ugly in preaching against sin. But my, 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 oh my, when sin becomes a trend and a fad... And people are wearing their sins as a badge of honor. It's, it's almost like I, I want to do it because doing it is cool. Not having natural affection has been a badge where people are looking to be like that because it puts you in the forefront of, of attention. God, God, help us. These, this is, I talked to a, a youth pastor a couple Weeks ago, and I was a youth pastor for, for a long time before I became a senior pastor. And he said to me, the biggest struggles that he's dealing with in youth ministry right now are suicide or mental health and gender confusion. Yeah. 
Now, for all of us who work with teenagers, we've dealt with teenagers. Good, We brought them to camps and conferences. Those were not the top two things we're dealing with, but they are right now. This know also, Timothy, I'm, tell, I'm telling you, son, you've got to know when you stand up and preach, this is what you're going to be dealing with. you got to know when you witness, this is what you're going to be dealing with. you got to know when you counsel, this is what you're going to be dealing with. We, we have to know that this is the generation that we're dealing with right now, the social media generation. And when they were locked up in the house on lockdowns for months and months, they were being fed by social media. And God help us what they were being fed. Corrupt deeds, contemptuous demeanors about them, cunning deception about them. How about cosmetic devotion, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof? They learn how to put on in church. But they have no power. Well, I want the power of God on my life, not a form of godliness. I want godliness. Power, power. God help us if we're raising a generation that know better how that knows better how to hold the microphone or how to walk up or how to look the part instead of knowing how to get a hold of God, to walk with God every single day. To learn. I remember watching my parents and watching my dad get up every morning and finding that prayer closet and praying for an hour. I remember, remember watching my mom go through cancer three times. The third time, seven surgeries in a year. And I remember calling her on a Sunday morning after that seventh surgery, major reconstruction. And I remember calling her in the hospital in Illinois. I said, Mom, how are you doing today? She said, I'm not doing well. I said, Mom, take the medicine. She didn't like take medicine. I said, take it. It's there for you. It'll make you feel better. It'll take the pain away. That's why they give it to you. You had major surgery. You should take the." She said, I'm not feeling bad because of pain. I'm feeling bad because for the first time on a Sunday morning since you were born, I'm missing church. My, my, my. It's a different day. Clueless delusion. Ever learning and never, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Listen, this generation is far from dumb. They're clever. Ever learning. But what good does it do to be ever learning if you never come to the knowledge of the truth? I hear, hear people say all the time, the truth shall set you free. The truth shall set you free. The truth shall set you free. Quote scripture correctly. They shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It ain't going to set you free if you don't know it. We're in the end times that bring with them an eventual demise. They shall proceed no further. Verse nine, their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. Paul said, this is what they're doing. This is how they're living. This is what's become popular. This is what Hollywood is showcasing. This is what was being is being legislated. This is what is being taught in our school. This is what we're this is what comes on the television. This is what they're used to. This is what is cool. This is where their smartphones can take. This is what is becoming the norm. He said, but I'm telling you, it's going to be brought to an end. Listen to me. We read the end of the story. God always wins but listen to me for those that don't don't know him they lose that bothers me perceptive mentality let me hasten I believe one of the missing elements of salvaging this next generation is what I call personal mentorship unfortunately there is a generation of leadership that says do as I say not as I do or, listen, I've forgotten more than you ever learned. You don't know nothing. 
young buck. Sit down in my office. Let me tell you off for a little while. And if you don't listen, you're a rebel. Listen, that's not going to work. These young people need mentorship. I remember saying, Daddy, can I go to men's prayer with you? Dad, can I go to the golf cart, golf course and just drive? No, you can't drive a golf cart at eight. (laughs) Josiah was a king. (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) Different dispensation. But I just wanted to be around him. I wanted to know more about him than just what he did in the pulpit. Now, listen to Paul. Timothy, this is this is bad, man. They're without natural affection. They, they can't they don't keep their word. They're heady. They're high minded. They're traitors. They love themselves. They want pleasure more than they want God. They're blasphemers. They don't obey their parents. This is second Timothy chapter three, not twenty twenty two. Sound like the same stuff. This is a horrible world in which to pastor Timothy. And then Paul says, but, and in so many words, the next several verses, as bad as it is, you can make it. Matter of fact, you don't just have to survive, you can thrive. And here's what he says, you can make it because I let you in on me. Clear exposure, candid experience, compassionate engagement. Thou hast fully known, verse 10, my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long suffering, my charity, my patience. Maybe Paul is saying to Timothy, remember, remember when I preached there at that meeting? You didn't just hear my sermon. You saw me in the room we stayed in. You saw me when I greeted people afterwards. You saw me how I responded to someone that was rude. You, you, you saw me how I acted in prison. You saw me how I responded when I was mistreated. You, you saw my, you didn't just see me eloquent. You didn't just see me exegete a path. You didn't just see me stand in front. You didn't just see me in the big meaning signing Bibles. You saw me when I was getting stoned. You saw me when I was getting run down. You saw me when I was getting slandered. You were in on me. I had to practice for as long as I can remember of traveling with, trying to take young men with, with me, my sons, older sons that I took. I just wanted them to keep me accountable. I didn't just want them to hear me preach at church. I wanted them to see me in the hotel room, driving in the car, how I would respond, my ethics. I needed that accountability. Now, I want to ask you, gentlemen, ladies, who do you let in on you? Over your home, in your office. I've heard this story too many times. I've listened to him online a bunch of times. I've watched so many of his messages on YouTube. I love to hear him preach. I can't wait to see if God will use me like he uses him. And then I finally met him and he's a jerk. You ever get people come up to you and say, I met you 10 years ago at a conference? And you're bracing yourself. What did I do to you? (laughs) What did I say? Long after they forget our sermons, they will remember if we're jerks. What has happened? Where are the Peters? Stand up, stand up. I myself am a man. 
Don't worship me. Worship him. I'm flattered that people want me to sign their Bible or take pictures with them or treat me very, very kindly. I really am. But I want to work hard at reminding myself I ain't all that or a bag of chips. I think mentorship mentorship helps us with that. Getting people around us to watch us. Know me, see me, let me expose you to some things. And because of that clear exposure and that candid experience and that compassionate engagement, he says, I want you to know I have a convicted expectation. There will be persecuted workers and a perpetual worsening. It's going to be that way. You're going to suffer persecution. Timothy, I'm in jail. You're going to face it. You're going to. We must let young people know. We must let this generation know. Yes, serving God is the best life. Yes, living for God is the best life. Yes, working with God is the best life. But mark it down on your calendar. Living for God will put a target on your back. And it's worth it. Let me finish Perceptive mentality, personal mentorship, and purposeful maintenance. Everybody say the word continue. Now watch this now. There's a wave. There's a wave in this generation that is so perturbed with the way leaders treat them. I got a whole group of. Young men, I'm trying to say, don't don't walk away from truth because you're mad at someone that was associated with it. Somebody did you wrong, so you're going to do God wrong. That doesn't add up. Well, he, you know, he blackballed me and I worked for him and he he ran me down all around. I couldn't get a job because listen to that's not a reason to quit reading your Bible and to yoke up with somebody who preaches something else. But I empathize with their hurt. But there's there's a wave of young people that say, because I'm mad, because I'm bitter, I'm going to throw the baby out and the bat. I'm done with serving God. I'm done with the Bible. I'm done with anybody that associates with anybody that I'm mad with. Let me tell you something. You can't live that way. Truth is timeless. People fail. People change. Humans make mistakes. We all make mistakes, but Jesus never fails. Continue. Sound teaching, continue down the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned. Continue in sound teaching. Listen, you've got to stick with the truth. Continue in scriptural training. The Holy Scripture. Ladies and gentlemen, let's not get away from this word. There are all kinds of curriculum, all kinds of things that are put out, all kinds of new things, all kinds of technology. Thank God for the teaching that's happening on how to... uh, Focus ourselves on, on social media and use that. I mean, good gracious, if any of us get up and preach against technology, how in the world can you minister in the 21st century and preach against technology? How in the world can you be a youth pastor and preach a good night? It's the way we connect. Thank God for all of that. But, ladies and gentlemen, those are tools. We have no greater tool than this precious word of God. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee.
thee. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, than the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, for then, for then thou shalt make the way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The grass will wither and the flower will fade, but the word of God shall endure forever. It will accomplish that for which it is meant to accomplish. Sanctify them by thy truth, for thy word is true. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and to the discern of the the thoughts and intents of the heart. No scripture came by private interpretation, but holy men of God, as they were moved by the Spirit, whoso looketh in the perfect law of liberty and continued therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. This man shall be blessed in his seed. So, my friend, be ye not just a hearer, but a doer of the word. Listen to me. Let's use all the technology. Let's use all the advancement. Let's impact everybody like we can. Let's be cognizant of everything that's going on. But good gracious alive, when we abandon certain traditions or certain trends because they're not effective anymore. Let's not throw out the Bible. It's worked before and it still works. Divine manifestation, it's given by inspiration. Distinct materialization, it's profitable and definite maturation that the man of God may be perfect. Thoroughly furnished. It works. Oh, you can't listen. You can't. You can't propagate those old-fashioned biblical principles in the 21st century. These kids are not going to hear it. Let me tell you something. Not only will they hear it, I got proof of those that are hearing it. And we are careful. We get so frustrated with what's happening in the times. We'll get flustered in standing. Where we've stood all along. Dr. Redland said last night that he looked around the auditorium and so many people were tired. I feel like that's the landscape in Christianity right now. Parents are tired. Pastors are tired. Ministers, I, I'm, I know it's right. I know it's true. I know it worked before. But I'm tired of telling people that don't want to hear. Don't get weary in well doing for in these due season. You shall reap if. Oh, I, I want my children to serve God. I want next generation to serve God. I want these students, Pensacola Christian College, to serve God. You young people in the building, whew, I love you. And there's, there's a whole segment of religion out there that's telling you, come on over here. You don't need that. It's old. It doesn't work. Those fuddy-duddies are teaching you not. Let me tell you something. This dang works. And may we stand. No, no, no. I'm just, I don't mean that. <laughs> Dr. Durrell did that yesterday. Can, can we be our own people, please? I know we look like twins, but we have a, a lot of differences. <laughs> Maybe we should play Simon Says for fun. In these last days, proverbially speaking, may may we stand and um, 
If anything ever happens to me where I drift away from this book, somebody shoot me. I found my wife based on the principles of this book. I've led my life. Every, everything good this book has given me. And every morning when I couldn't get out of bed and I kept saying, Lord, when am I going to wake up and not feel this? Every morning he met me in his word. And he said some things to me that I'd heard before, but they felt different in my current predicament. It works. May God help us in these last days to do everything we can to keep this next generation from failing. Because the way we view the Bible, failure simply is not an option. You've been listening to a message from the Pensacola Christian College Enrichment Retreat. You're welcome to pass this message along to others, but we ask that you do not charge for it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. If you're a pastor or ministry leader, join us for the next Enrichment Retreat and experience a time of physical rest and spiritual refreshment. To learn more, visit EnrichmentRetreat.com.